I want to thank you for being here this morning. And I wonder how many of you heard about uh, the research that show women who gained a few extra pounds actually lived longer. They lived longer than the men who mentioned the few pounds that they gained. That's it. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? All right. So today we're, we're uh, continuing on uh, the series Father of Lies. I'm Diane Hagnine. And we're going to talk about lies about faith today. Lies about faith. So I think it's really interesting the songs that the worship team sang this morning were all about faith versus sight. And that's what we're going to be talking about. My goal today is to build a case to you that it is far superior and advantageous to live by what you can't see versus what you can see. And I realize that I have a tough job ahead of me because we're all natural human beings. We have natural lives in this natural world, and we gravitate very much toward what is this natural world and what we see and what we experience here and what we perceive to be true. So you're going to have to hang with me a little bit. All right, I hope you'll hang with me a little bit while I, while I build this case, and then we'll, we'll end up with some, some true stories about people who have actually found out what it means to live by what you can't see, this higher reality versus what you can see. So our verse that we're going to be establishing everything around is 2 Corinthians 5-7. And the New Testament writer Paul wrote, For we live by faith and not by sight. Or another translation, and I really like this one, says, We live by believing and not by what we see. Or we live by what we believe and not by what we see. And that's a real good Bible verse, and we can quote it and everything else. But I want you to stop and think about how much of my life is in one of those two camps. How much of my life is living by what I can see, what I can touch, what I can feel, what I experience, and how much of my life is lived by what I can't see, but what I believe. And of course, I'm going to propose to you that what you believe is about God and about his word, not just fairy tales, obviously, okay? So think about that for a second. Where do I fall more in my life? Is my life more about what I can touch, what's tangible to me, what seems real in this natural world? Or is my life more about that thing called faith that's really hard to explain sometimes and hard to get your head around? And I hope I can help you get your head around it a little more. It's, this has helped me just to study it. So hopefully this will be helpful to you. Now, I do want to say that it's not always going to be faith that eventually we come to a place of sight. It might not be in this life, but the goal is faith turns into sight. But if you never get into faith, then you might not ever get to the place where you get to see the manifestation. Or as 
Cindy and Mark Miller's son used to say when he was little, the man from the station. He would hear us talk about manifestation in church, and he would say, when's the man from the station coming? I'm like, I don't know when the man, somebody better ask the Lord about that. So when we live in this nitty-gritty world of pain, evil, suffering, bills, sickness, disease, death, tragedy, sometimes it's really hard to focus on what we can't see because we get consumed by just what's going on in our world. So this definitely takes practice. So I've got a question for you. It's kind of a philosophical question. And that is, what is reality? What is reality? Have you ever stopped to think about that? What is reality? What is really real? I know this is getting a little bit matrixy, isn't it? But what is real? The dictionary definition said it's the world or the state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them. Now, in our experience probably we have thought the kingdom of God is that um, idealistic thing out there in no man's land where there's really not much connection to the world that I live in and this here that I live in this is reality and out there well that's good maybe for Sunday for church or whatever but what 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 is the connection between my life so God's kingdom seems idealistic. Our world seems tangible, real, actual. And I want to propose maybe it's the other way around. And that's the case that I want to build for you today. And the first thing that I want to talk about is just sight, because that's what that verse talked about, faith versus sight. Is Jim Musser here today? He's not here. Okay. Oh, there. Hi, Jim. <laughs> um, he and I were talking about this. He's a physics professor at the university, and I work at the university, and we were talking about some of these things. And if you really want to delve into it, he's a good person to talk to. He knows a lot more than I do. But he, he cued me off on it, some, some ideas to think about. And the first thing was, what is sight? What is it really happening when we say that we see something with our physical eyes? And actually, you know, um, you can miss a lot of what somebody else sees and vice versa. When Dave and I are driving down the road or on the highway and we're going, you know, 70 miles an hour and he's driving and he'll say, did you see that turkey? And I'll say, what? See, what turkey? He'll say, and he'll be on my side of the road and he'll say, that black dot in that field over there, didn't you see that turkey? And I was like, are you paying attention to the road? Are you driving? And actually saw it and it did not even compute on my radar at all and of course we're way past and I'm looking back there I saw I'll do that with deer or any sort of wildlife like that and I found out and at first I thought man I am dense I don't see anything and I found out later on that men's and women's brains are different that way they they're just totally different even as far as peripheral vision and things like that that made me feel better but I still I even when I'm looking I, I can't see it so, is seeing really believing? Back to what, what is sight? It's actually light hitting and reflecting off an object or being emitted from an object, and it's coming into your very intricate organs of our eyes, which are amazing. And then all this information about the light is getting processed in our brain instantaneously. 
We don't even know it's happening, and then we see, we see things. But a whole lot of things could go wrong or could cause error in that process, even the light, the amount of light, or you could have problems with colorblindness, or your eyes could have something affecting them, or your brain, you know? So the information that we can get is partial at best, and sometimes can be an illusion, and sometimes can fool us. So it's trustworthy to trust in what we can see. Another thing that we tend to do is discount things that, we, that are invisible, that we can't see, but are real. And one of those things that is very prevalent, that we should all consider real, is our thoughts. Our thoughts are invisible, and we tend to discount our thoughts as not being real because we can't see them, but they actually take up real estate in our brain, our thoughts do. Real, and they can be changed, and they can be measured, which is amazing to me. But just because they're not visible to our eye doesn't mean they're not real, and that we shouldn't really take into account the power that they have in our lives. What about the things that we know, that sight? What about the things that we know? Most of the information that we get has been handed down to us from other people, right? And then all of that information goes through our filter of our worldview and our biases and our prejudices and our blind spots. One time Dave and I were at a conference and they were talking about blind spots. And the lady up there said, you have, I can't remember the number, 3.4, every person has 3.4 blind spots. First I thought, how do you know that? <laughs> and then the second thing I looked at, Dave, see, I told you, I told you about that. <laughs> you know, that thing I told you about, you can't see it yourself. And see about me what's blind, but we all have blind spots. So that alters the information, the way we receive it, and what we think is real, what we think is real in the world. What else? What about our experiences? Our experiences are real, right? We know, we lived through them, we went through them, and that's true. However, now they're finding out, and this is really scary, and I'm glad it's not just for old people that this is happening to, but for all of us, they're finding out that your memories, when you retrieve them from your long-term memory, you change those memories. Your brain changes those memories before they go back into storage. And so every time you bring them up, you're changing them by the emotions you feel at that moment or the circumstances around you. And so it's like that little kid's game of telephone. Remember that game that used to play when you'd whisper in somebody's ear and then they'd whisper and then go all the way down? And by the time you got to the end, it was really confusing and it was not the same message. And pretty much that's what they're finding out and that's kind of scary that our experiences might have been real but our remembrance of those experiences can kind of get inaccurate over time. In fact, one researcher find, found out, and she studied people about uh, what they were doing on 9-11 and the information that they believed was true about what happened. And across the board, it was 50% accurate and 50% wrong. Even something as highly charged emotionally where you think, I'll never forget where I was when that happened, that's probably true. But some of the other details, you're going to have about half of that information right. So all this is kind of crazy when you put it together 
And then you add your feelings to it. Now, don't throw things at me. I'm not going to tell you your feelings aren't real. We all know how important our feelings are and how real they feel to us because they're so personal, right? But our feelings, they can change so easily. They're subject to the amount of sleep we get and our hormones and our food we eat and our digestion and just the weather. You know, there's just so much that affect our feelings. So I think we're all old enough and grown up enough to believe that our feelings are not a good source of reality. So if we put all these things together of what we really cling to in our lives and say, this is really real, what I see, what I experience, what I feel, what I know, and we look and see, you know, actually, scientifically, we would have to say, none of those things are very reliable all put together. So what can we say is reality? What is reality? And how can we live by that rather than something that is maybe less uh, superior or inferior? The problem about basing uh, your decisions, your future, your life on something that's changeable like that or that can be changed is that it can get you to some disappointing areas, maybe into some destructive areas when we make decisions based on wrong information. So we want to make sure that we are basing our lives on something that's real. Now, going back to those physicists, I looked up, um, I watched a video, and they were talking about what is reality. And it was really fascinating. Uh, but some of these physicists, and these were not believers, in God, but what the definition that they came up with, and you know, they're studying the smallest building blocks of matter, subatomic particles, you know, and how to describe that and why it, why they do what they do and things like that. And they said uh, that reality, or some of them said this, reality is information connected to meaning. Information connected to meaning. So maybe like DNA, something like that. Information connected to meaning. And as soon as I heard that, I thought of this word, logos. Logos. It's a Greek word, and it means, and we get the word lego from it. It's like the building block of everything. And it's used to describe Jesus Christ in the Bible. He is the logos. He's the word. He's the first principle. He's the building block of everything. And so reality is Jesus Christ, the word of God that God has given us. And John, the apostle, just a lowly fisherman, wrote this most profound description of the Logos in John chapter 1. And he said, in the beginning, the Logos already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light. I think that's interesting, light to everyone. How we see the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. This is so powerful. How did something so profound that really tells us almost about science and physics come from this fisherman 2,000 years ago. It's just amazing. So what I would say is that ultimate reality is what God says. It's the logos, God speaking. It's a continuous present tense. God is always speaking through Jesus Christ 
and through his word. So ultimate reality is what God says. And when we live by faith, when we talk about living by faith, what we mean is we're living according to God's reality. It is a higher reality than what we tend to think of is real in this world. And it's available to us, which is amazing. Living by faith, what we can't see, means living according to God's reality. And ultimate reality is what God says. It's what God says. So this is how you have a supernatural response to a supernatural God is you live by faith, by his reality. And wow, that he would make that available to us is unbelievable. And it's really the only logical response when we have all this information that we have been given about the transitory nature of our world compared to the superior nature of his world. And Jesus Christ came and told us about that world and how to act. We're going to look at some scriptures along that line. In John eleven forty. 40, Jesus was speaking to Martha. His bro- her brother, Lazarus, had died. And Jesus was trying to get her to roll the, you know, have somebody roll the stone away from the tomb after he'd been dead four days. Is that right, Dave? Four days? And... Um, she was balking a little bit at that. You might be too if that was your <clears throat> relative who had died and they're going to exhume him or whatever. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And in God's kingdom, this is the way it always works. You have to believe something you can't see before, that, before you can see it. You really don't have to believe something you can already see. <laughs> right? You, you have it. You don't have to believe it. But he said, if you believe, you will see. What will you see? You will see God's glory. And God's glory is what makes him who he is. God's glory is manifestation of God. And this is how it always works. In John 20, 29, Jesus is speaking to one of his followers. And this is after his resurrection from the dead. But one of his followers had not been there when he appeared to the rest. And he said, I'm not going to believe until I see, until I can put my finger in his hands, and the nail prints in his hands, I can put my hands in his side, I'm not going to believe. And so Jesus was so good to appear to him. And he said, because you've seen me, because then, of course, when it happened, he fell down before him and said, my Lord and my God. And he said, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's the prerequisite to believing you can't see it, you're believing something that exists in a higher reality of what we're living in in our natural state, and we only get that information through the Logos, the Word of God, through Jesus Christ, through the written Word as well. So if we want to change what we see, we have to believe God's reality, because His reality is higher than ours, and it always can change our reality, not the other way around. And this is scary for us because we do tend to be very connected to the world that we can see. And I think it's a lot like when I was a kid and my dad took the training wheels off my bike and he wanted me to ride my bike. And I was like, no, not unless you're holding on, dad. You know, I'm not going anywhere because I was, because you fall down, you know. And in our faith walk, we fall down a lot 
and that's okay. God will help us get up and keep on walking. But we have to try at least. But you know, once I could ride that bike, I can go a lot farther, a lot faster than I ever could on my tricycle. And a lot faster than my dad could run, holding on behind me. So it was freedom. And that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to be tethered to this world. He wants us to soar through faith. And he's given us the tools so that we can do that. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, again, Jesus was speaking to his followers. And he gives us this crazy promise. He says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Probably one of the most amazing promises in the Bible from the lips of Jesus Christ himself. If you believe what? You believe something you can't see, but you believe you've got it. How do you believe you've got it? Well, you just, you have it by faith. <laughs> it's really hard to explain. You have it in your heart. You have grabbed hold of it. You know it's yours. You haven't seen it yet, but you know it's yours. And the more that we walk with God, the easier this gets. It is really a little awkward at first. It is counterintuitive. But it's worth getting there. It's worth the struggle. Because Jesus says there are so many possibilities. This connects us to God's reality, which has limitless possibilities. So what kind of possibilities did Jesus say? He said in Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. That puts us in the, cat, in the ranks with God because he said right before that, all things are possible with God. And then he turned around and said, all things are possible to him who believes. So our believing gives us access into this realm that God lives in where there are no limitations. No limitations at all. The only limitation is what we can believe and what we can see with the eye of faith. That's it. God puts no cap on it at all. He is awesome. He trusts us a lot, doesn't he? But he knows we have to develop intimacy with him for this faith to grow. So that's kind of like a safeguard. But his desires are going to become our desires. And that's what the things that we're going to pray for. So faith is believing in something that we cannot see, but it's still real. That's what I want you to get. It's real because you can't see it. It doesn't make it less real. In fact, it makes it more real because everything we see was created out of things that are invisible. So the Bible tells us that's what physics tells us. Now, the pushback that we have against this, because doing this means we're trusting in God, trusting in something, somebody we can't see, something we can't see. And a lot of the times what I find out from people is there's a major pushback because they've had negative experiences in their life. And to them, those experiences tend to invalidate the word of God for them. And so they just reject it. And so we have to be really careful that we don't do that because the only help that we have comes from God. The only real help in changing our reality comes from God. And so we don't want to cut off, you know, the branch that we're sitting on, basically, because of the negative experiences that we've had in our lives. So this isn't just mind over matter. This is accessing a supernatural God by connecting to him through what is really true.
Now, I want to give you a couple of examples of how people have done this. Um, I'm going to give you an example from the Bible, and then I'm going to give you an example of just a, a modern-day regular person um, who chose God's reality over what they saw, what they felt, what they experienced. And both these uh, instances, really tough experiences that people were going through. So the first one I'm going to talk about is, is a guy named Jeremiah, and he lived in 6th century B.C. near Jerusalem. And this was the time when Judah was being judged by God because for hundreds of years they had God's covenant, and he really had no choice. And the Babylonians came in, and they were coming to Jerusalem. They burned the temple. They burned the city. All the, most of the people were deported to Babylon. They just left a few poor there. And Jeremiah himself had been prophesying. He was kind of a doom and gloom prophet. He had been <laughs> prophesying this was going to happen, and nobody wanted to hear that. Would you want to hear that? No, nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody liked him. And they tried to kill him, and they threw him down in a cistern once and left him there, you know, to die. So all these things had happened to him. And when he writes this verse that we're going to read in Lamentations, uh, it's pretty amazing because you would think he would be griping and complaining about what had happened to his beloved city, to the temple. That was their whole identity. The temple was just raised. Um, but instead, this is what he says in Lamentations. He says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies, which is, that's his compassions, his tenderness, begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. What? Where did he get this information why would he believe this after everything that he had been through, seen his city go through? He was looking at a reality that he could not see. He was looking with the eye of faith at a God that he believed was good. Nothing around him said that. But thank God he wrote that down for us. Because we can go back and read it now. You know, he didn't have that. <laughs> like, we have something to go back and read and to say, this is what somebody experienced in their lives. This is what they experienced. And I can take this and I can access the same God they did through what this is written. Because this is God speaking, actually. This has power to thrust us into that other realm if we will agree with it and align ourselves with it. It's just pretty amazing. The second one that I want you to see is actually a video story. We're going to watch it, and uh, it's about a family, and the dad is named Chris Quilala. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he is um, a songwriter and singer with Jesus Culture, and really seemed like, you know, his life, had a storybook life, everything wonderful happening to him, uh, and then probably one of the worst tragedies that could be imagined for a parent happens. And this was the response of him and his wife, and I, I just want us to watch this. It's a little bit, it's about six minutes long, but it's well worth watching, so let's go ahead. As many of you know, back in December, while we were believing for a miracle, things didn't quite turn out how we had expected. But for us, the, the journey ahead of us was, can we still 
proclaim the truth that God is our healer, that God is the God who raises the dead, that, that God is good. And so as, as we continued on um, from losing our son, it was really important for us to keep the truth of who God is in front of us. So we started writing songs and this song um, is about God's miracle power. And for us, it's really important to proclaim that even though we didn't quite see what we had expected and what we were praying for, but we still know that that's true. I know many of you guys were on that journey with us. So for me, it feels like this song is sort of a victory for all of us. These are your songs too, so. as believers we we want to we want to blame God suddenly when something goes wrong but the truth is God's good God's faithful and just because our circumstances change doesn't mean those truths don't change God is the God of miracles important to remind ourselves who God who God is and yeah, I mean that's so much of worship isn't it it's oftentimes us reminding um, who we are in God and who God is and so for us this song was huge and just um, just keeping us anchored in that truth that God is God is good and he, he is he is the miracle God of the Bible and he remains the same um, always I'll see. The God 
So guys, that's what faith is about. The story doesn't always end the way we want it to in this life. But we have to hold on to God because his reality is what is truth. And he is the one that can get us out of the things that come on us in this life and the evil that we see. And that song just resonated through me all week as I was studying and preparing. And I wanted us to sing it. And I wanted us to believe God for miracles. Some of you guys need miracles. And now you know that it's possible. And now that you know that you can set aside the things that are in this life, that try and occupy your attention so much, and focus your eyes, like we sang already, on Jesus, on the Logos, on reality, on the God who does impossible, no matter what it is, maybe it's healing for you, maybe it's healing a broken heart for you, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job situation, a family, we all have impossibilities. God is there to help us. We will access that reality as for us. Why don't you stand? We're just going to sing part of the song. doctor's reports. God, we're not in denial. We're just wanting that higher reality that you have for us that trumps our reality, God. We pray, God, for a, a, an insurgence of faith, Lord, in our hearts, 
Father, that we would just hang on to your goodness, your love. Your love is reality, Lord. That we would just hold on to that, Father. No matter what we see, no matter what we hear, no matter what we feel, no matter what we experience, that we won't let go. That, God, you're good, and you do good, and you love us, and you're for us. And, God, we thank you. Hallelujah. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God.